Mean O'Lion Media presents the Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Kevin Waits. Welcome to a new episode of Safe Conversations. I am really, really excited this week. As we continue to uh, celebrate Black History Month, we have a special guest on, and I just want to tell Miss Mary Cookie Goins, welcome. Thank you, sir. Thank you for, for having me, and I'm looking forward, so looking forward to this conversation. Oh, we're about to have a good time, I promise. So, Miss Cookie, can I call you Miss Cookie? You may. All right, cool, cool, cool. Miss Cookie, can you start off by telling the listening audience a little bit about yourself, your your family, your background, your education? Whatever you think it is, we need to know. Okay, well, first of all, I would like to say hello to all of the listeners. And again, thank you for, for having me, um, Mr. Waits. But um, my birth name, my government name is Mary Magdalene. Canty, and in 1985, I became uh, Mary Canty Goings. Um, I am a true native of Orry County, specifically of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I am the daughter of the wonderful late Mary Catherine Brantley Canty. I am the wife of Eric, the mother of Whitney and Eric Jr., or EJ in the Gigi of Serena and Callie. Um, when I am out and about in Myrtle Beach, I do give that claim to fame that I am a true native. Not not a transplant, but I'm a true native, born and bred, graduated Myrtle Beach High School, matriculated to Newberry College, graduated in 1982, began my work in, in Georgetown um, County and came back to Ori. I earned my master's plus 30 or my specialist degree from the University of South Carolina. I uh, did three years in Georgetown County. The last 30 years were spent at my alma mater, Myrtle Beach High School as teacher of English, school counselor, and the last 11 years I retired as director of guidance on Monday night, July 31st at 8.03 p.m. And I began the next morning with the city of Myrtle Beach, Tuesday, August 1st, as director of neighborhood services. Wow, that's awesome. You said that and didn't even blink. Or did, did you? You didn't even breathe. You just said it. You said it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And, and again, welcome. Uh, so let's just get right into it. it. It is Black History Month, and I'm excited to hear everything you have to say. So can you can you talk about your job? And and because it's Black History Month, and we really want to highlight what you really do for the community and the world, really, and, and across the country. Can you tell us about what Charlie's Place is? Can you tell us about the Myrtle Beach Colored School? And can you tell us about what Beachside Chats is? Ooh. That's a lot, right? It's, it's not even a, a tall task. As a matter of fact, I'm honored to do so. So as director of Neighborhood Services, um, we get to manage Charlie's Place, the historic Myrtle Beach Color School Museum and Education Center. And three years ago, in light of the, the death of Mr. George Floyd, we created Beachside Chats. So you mentioned Charlie's Place first, so let's talk a little bit about Charlie's Place. So Charlie's Place... Um, interchangeable with Whispering Pines. They both are the same establishment. Was um, built by Mr. Charlie Fitzgerald, who moved to Myrtle Beach in 1935 
um, from New York, who was an astute businessman and opened Charlie's Place. Charlie's Place was a supper club and entertainment space where the likes of Billie Holiday, Little Richard, Ella Fitzgerald, James Brown, Fats Domino, all of them at some point came and or um, played and stayed at Charlie's Place. Now, they could go over to the white establishments and play, but they couldn't stay. So they would go over there and do their little gigs, then come back to Charlie's Place, located on Carver Street, and they would play probably into the wee hours um, of the morning. And then that's where they could eat, but also where they could, could sleep. So in addition to um, the, the supper club, um, Mr. Charlie and Miss Sarah owned Fitzgerald Motel, which is listed in the original Green Book. And we know that the Green Book was the travel safety guide for African-Americans um, throughout the United States. So Mr. Charlie, coming from New York, he did not believe in segregation. So he allowed the white kids to come over from Ocean Boulevard and Ocean Drive in North Myrtle Beach. And initially, they were the ones in the balcony. And all they wanted to do, their common denominator was to dance, enjoy the music, and have fun. So Mr. Charlie allowed them to come over. And eventually, they made their way down to the dance floor and um, intermingled and, and just dance and um, without incident. Um, many people are not aware, but we get to share this every week with our guests, that the state dance is the shag. South Carolina state dance, we know that that is the shag. Well, if you guys who are listening, when you, when you come, not if, when you come to Charlie's Place and the Color School Museum, I will introduce you to Cynthia Shag Harrell, who the white kids came over. She would do show them a combination of the Lindy Hop, the Jitterbug, and the Swing, and they would later add the two-step to it. So we share the story that the Shag was actually born at Charlie's Place on Carver Street in Myrtle Beach. Wow. That's heavy. Can I ask you, Miss Cookie, you mentioned some some historic heavy hitters in the music industry. Billie Holiday, Fats Domino. What was the draw to Myrtle Beach? Why, why did they come to Myrtle Beach? Well, I think it is probably a couple of things in that it's the beach. Mm. But Black artists back in the day were a part of kind of like a, a, a traveling group where they traveled together, and it was known as the Chitlin Circuit. So mm. that was a, a distinction of places where African-American artists could travel um, safely, that they know um, they knew they would have an opportunity to perform um, in this safe space among their people and that there would be no incidents. And Charlie's Place happened to be the only place in Myrtle Beach where they could come and play and stay. 
Mm. So it was kind of a, a combination of things. So it's this safe place where they could travel um, in groups throughout the United States. But the Chitlin Circuit was a specific um, group of places where they could go and, and, and entertain the crowd. Okay. So you mentioned that Mr. Fitzgerald came from New York. And he didn't believe in segregation, so he he openly invited all. And and we know that the arts, music, theater, they bring us together. They bring people together. You know, as you sit there and listen to the music or watch the arts, the magic happens, and we forget about the color of our skin. But just thinking back during that time period, I know that everybody wasn't happy with with the white kids dancing with the black kids. So was there any drama that you know about or you can tell us about associated with that? Unfortunately, but fortunately, yes. Um, as as I shared earlier, you know, they just wanted to dance and, and have a good time. And we have, we could, we have connected with some of the, um, descendants uh, of some of those people who came over and, and were shagging. And they said, um, they were asking the kids, well, where are y'all going? They heard to heard them um, to say, we're going to dance the shag. But what they were saying was, we're going to dance with shag. Mm-hmm. And so um, as a result of that, you can imagine that them being comfortable and safe, the numbers grew. However, not everyone was um, satisfied. Not everyone um, did agree. Because remember, during that time, from what we've learned, we were um, in the South, Jim Crow, segregation. So in 1950, there was a, um, a Ku Klux Klan raid of Charlie's Place. And um, there, there was uh, some, some pretty... Uh, unfortunate things um, that happened. And, and, and one of them being, you know, there was a shootout. Hmm. And from the records and from the stories that we have been told, um, in the end, one of the persons who was was, was killed um, was a law enforcement officer, a white law enforcement officer. Um, they hurt Mr. Charlie pretty um, badly. Um took him off and, and, you know, dumped him off in the woods and left him to, to die. Mm. But, but he didn't. He was found. Um, and, you know, uh, a local cab driver realized that it was Mr. Charlie and brought him back to Myrtle Beach and, and local doctor helped him, um, you, know, you know, regain his, his energy and strength. But, you know, the, the establishment nor Mr. Charlie, you know, was never the same. Mm-hmm. was never the same after that. And, um, you know, he died um, five years later. And as a young man, I think, as a matter of fact, he wasn't even 50 years old. But, you know, he he died as a result of some other causes. But mm-hmm. um, I, I just can imagine what that may have done to him mentally. And uh, his wife, Miss Sarah, you know, tried to carry on um, the establishment, but it never returned um, to its former glory. Awesome, uh, awesome story. Um, now, Charlie's Place just recently uh, received an honor. Can you tell us about that? So, yes. In 2018, South Carolina ETV 
uh, did a, a documentary in Charlie's Place, and they won um, the Southeastern Emmy Award for that documentary. But this past um, November, Charlie's Place made history as being the first establishment, you know, the, the building, the, the business, to be inducted into the Carolina Beach Music Hall of Fame. Wow. And so Neighborhood Services um, accepted on behalf of the city of Myrtle Beach, you know, because they purchased the property in 2015. So when we got that phone call, we were just so excited and so happy to uh, pay public tribute and honor to Mr. Charlie and Miss Sarah that years after, you know, all the work they had done and what they had built together and even um, in their death, they are they are being honored and remembered. And so we're very, very grateful to the um, Carolina Beach Music Hall of Fame. Well, thank you so much uh, for the history on Charlie's Place and, and what you do to kind of maintain it and keep telling the story. Can we can we transition over and talk a little bit about the Myrtle Beach Color School? Absolutely. So the historic Myrtle Beach Color School Museum and Education Center is in its 16th year, June 24th, 2006, was the ribbon cutting of this, this place, this wonderful place for over 20 years. The former students who served as committee members, and there was none of them, they worked to establish this place, this building that would stand as a lasting memorial and a testament, I believe, to their tenacity, to their faith, to their per, um, perseverance, to their willingness to work, to endure, to overcome despite everything that they encountered and the, the hands that they were dealt and I choose to believe that it stands as a testament to their contributions, not just to this city, to this county, and this state, but to the United States and to the world. For they were educated during a time when there were no provisions, no provisions made for them by the county, by the state, and really this country. But they were a part of a village that said, we will educate our children. So with no resources, no support. They started in the three in the two churches in Mount Olive AME Church, which was the first church, and then Sandy Grove. So um, the color school itself, the Myrtle Beach Colored School, was opened in 1932 and closed in 1953, and um, started out with with three teachers and you know a hundred plus students, and then. You know, grew to uh, six to eight teachers with 240 plus students after that. But um, this this place, and, and I, I just have to emphasize the 20 years that it took for them. Their initial goal was to save the building, the original school, the original Myrtle Beach College School. But by the time their voices were heard, by the time they got a seat at the table and did the walkthroughs, the building itself was unsavageable. The mold, the asbestos, it you know started caving in. It was just unsavageable. So they had the opportunity to come back to the table and work with the, the city um, and some other stakeholders on building the replica. So the 
the museum itself is actually a replica of the original school built in 1932 and closed in 1953. That's awesome. So I'm going to ask a question, but I'm asking it for the sake of uh, our listening audience. Why was it called or why is it called the historic Myrtle Beach Color School? Another interesting and, and, and uh, I think a hot topic um, because there actually was a several, many conversations between, um, among the committee itself, then between the committee and, and residents of the neighborhood of the city and city council. There were even members of the committee who did not uh, want it to be called the Historic Myrtle Beach Color School Museum and Education Center. But in the end, the committee members, the majority of them, felt strongly about retaining the name because it was the name of their school, the Myrtle Beach Colored School. And back during that time, the 30s, the 40s, and even in, you know, the 50s, they were known as colored people. But the basis for them keeping the name was stated by several of them, but one Mary Canty, who stood before council and said, we will retain the name because that's who we were at that time. And that's who we, we are as far as identifying with the museum and the school. She said to change it, you're changing our history. You're erasing our history. But if we keep it, it will be forever in the forefront of history. It will be forever there so that history will not repeat itself. Wow. And just for, so for the record, that was the only place during that time period for African-American kids to go and get education in Myrtle Beach. You're exactly right. And prior to that, as I stated they were taught in the two churches with no resources, no resources, no support. And then they decided to build a school for their children. And so it was built in 1932, but that was the only, and it was the first in the area for African-American children. Wow. That's amazing. That is amazing. So, you coordinate uh, a monthly event called Beachside Chats. Can you tell us what Beachside Chats is all about and, and how it started? So we know that um, the death, the public murder of Mr. George Floyd brought about many things. Beachside Chats is one of those things that came about as a result of Mr. Floyd's um, death. So we have um, a local resident, a, a gentleman, um, who has biracial grandchildren. And he, he called me and said, Cookie, we have to do something. So we met, and that was when, you know, COVID was um, at, its, at its heightened state. And um, so we met in, in, in the public um, open parking lot. And we had this conversation, he says, 
we got to do something. We got to build something. Let's come together and build something. And um, anyway, thought about it and, and, and prayed about it. And just in, in the middle of the night, it came to me before we can build and start doing things together. We have to talk. We have to have conversations. And the spirit gave me beachside chats, conversations on race, peace, healing, understanding, and reconciliation. So this June 6th will be three years that for every month we come together and we have these conversations. And they're deep. You know, conversations uh, uh, about race. You know, what, what happens? I can remember the very first one. People of color were the only ones allowed to speak. As suggested and recommended by our, our committee, which is um, uh, multi-race. But that that is what they suggested. And at first I'm thinking, we can't we can't do that. And they said, yeah, yeah, yes, we can. This this is how you know we'll we'll get the conversation going. And what I learned from that very first encounter is that people were scared, people were scarred. Mm. And I'm talking about some in, in those those uh breakout groups, scars from years ago that they never really felt safe or comfortable um speaking about. But that was one of the first things we did was to tell them this is a safe space. And uh, so for just, like I said, this June 6th um, will be three years that we've been having these monthly conversations. And they really, I am a better person because of B-Side Chats. That's awesome. Um, of course, you know, I created this platform for a similar reason, the same reason, just for people to be able to come and, and talk about whatever, you know what I'm saying, their perspective and not be shunned or, you know, shot down or cut down because we all have different perspectives. You know what I'm saying? Good, bad, or indifferent. You see six, I see nine. You know what I'm saying? So do you feel like progress has been made since you started Beachside Chats? you feel like it's been effective? I do. And you know, you say, well, how do you determine that? How do you monitor that or measure? Mm -hmm. They keep coming. Mm -hmm. There are some people who have been coming for three years. From the very first one, they've been coming for three years. And when they speak, when, 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 when they have the opportunity to speak and they Talk about the life changes. Some have had to take a stand in their families. Some have been called to take a stand in their workplaces, even in their churches. So if one life has been changed for the better, then that's a pretty good, positive and a measurable outcome. That's right. Awesome. And I know I don't know who said it, but I heard somebody say one time that the more people talk, the more people listen. 
You know what I'm saying? And we can we can all do a better job of listening because honestly, that's that's really the only way that we're gonna get a better understanding of one another. We we gotta be able to to just sit and listen. So tell me this, Miss Cookie. Why do you think we we can't keep people together? Like right here. You know what I'm saying? Um things happen, tragedy, you know, uh doesn't always have to be tragedy, music arts, like we talked about earlier, things somehow bring us together to make us forget about our race or ethnicity or whatever, right? Our differences. But the moment we sober up from the moment, it's like we go back to our respective corners or we go back to the foolishness or the pettiness or, you know what I'm saying? And we forget about humanity. So from your perspective, how do we keep people together? I think through platforms such as Beatside Chats and Safe Conversations with um, Kevin Waite, it's continuous. You know, for, for, for me, the type learner I am, you know, until I really, really grasp it, I have to keep doing it over mm-hmm. and over and over again. And it is a lot of work. It is a lot of work. But when I think about those eight people specifically, and there have been others, but eight who have come forth and come forward and said, I didn't know, mm-hmm. or I was taught this, or I was raised this way, and it took me being a part of XYZ to realize that it wasn't true. It wasn't true. That was the conversation around our dinner table. When I got to college or when I got to the military or when I became ill and this person was the only one who helped me, I realized that I had been taught so wrongly. And now I have a responsibility and an opportunity to learn the correct way, to learn the facts. And so I think we just have to continue creating these spaces and, and, and not give up and, and not stop, even when we're tired, even when it looks like we're doing this in our space. But then we turn on the, the, the TV and here's the news. Somebody else is getting murdered unnecessarily or being being called all these awful names or whatever. Mm-hmm. We still have to keep the conversation going and we have to create. Um, these spaces for people to enter. And some of them are coming and they may be silent. They may not be verbal, but they are speaking within themselves, but they are listening. And that's that's one of the things that um, you said is so key. They are listening. We have to listen, but people are also watching because this is three years for Beatside Chats. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they may be 10 or 12, or like two weeks ago, it was 50. But it doesn't matter. All you need is two for the conversation. But we've got to keep it going. And like we said, people are listening. But our children, our young adults, our babies, they are watching. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's heavy. We definitely got to keep talking. Um, because, again, that is the only way. And, and, you know, we all have work to do. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I can tell you some some myths or things that I heard as a child that I grew up and I was that person saying, 
I didn't know. You know what I'm saying? I mean, a lot of times in, in the black community, for, for obvious reasons, you know, we were taught not to trust white people. Right. And then you 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 grow up and, and you learn and you grow and you realize that, hey, as an African-American, as a person of color, I don't want to be put in a box. So is it fair to put all white people in a box? You know what I'm saying? But you live and you grow. But we all I think uh, what helps a lot sometimes is having these conversations in everybody at the appropriate time, making themselves vulnerable and sharing something like, you know, example, what I just shared opens up the door, you know what I'm saying? For some real deep conversations. So I am famous for throwing curveballs, right? I'm going to throw a curveball at you. I hope you're ready. Yeah, I see you over there smiling. I hope you're ready, Miss Cookie. I picked up based on the conversation that you are a believer. Is that correct? That is very correct. Okay. So being a believer... If I approach you, Miss Cookie, and I said, Miss Cookie, I need you to make a choice. I need you to make a choice. In this one hand, I have $2 million for you and your family if you want it. You can have that. Or in my other hand, I have God's favor. $2 million. Cash money right now in your hands or God's favor? Which one would you pick and why? Without a doubt, God's favor. Because you often hear the, the saying, favor ain't fair, but it is. Because the favor of God grants us the desires of our heart, but it supplies all of our needs. Now, needs and wants are different because even with that $2 million, it can't buy salvation. It can't buy health. It can't buy joy. It can't buy peace. That might get you some happiness because happiness is temporary. But those things that I just named, those are the desires that I have for my family, for Mm -hmm. my husband, for my children, my my loved ones, my family, my colleagues, those things are eternal. The 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 money, and you might say, well, yeah, you say that now because I'm not standing here with two million dollars, you know, in my hand. But in my heart, and because I am a believer, you're messing me up. Hey. And because I look back over my life, mm-hmm. being born in Myrtle Beach, being raised in Harlem. No central heat, no air, outhouse. Come on now. We didn't have a lot of things, but it was amazing because everybody was flocking to that big old ragged house. Kind of knew it was something then, but as I've grown older, I know now. It was a love of God for my great-grandparents, my grandmother and my mother. We don't have these things, but we have God and we have love and we have each other. And when you have faith and family and you add favor to that, I'd rather have it. Mm-hmm. I believe that is how I will respond. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, I'm going to tell you now, somebody asked me that several years ago. And I said, man, how much you said? 
<laughs> but I'm with you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, when you said it, peace, you can't put a price tag on that. Salvation, you can have the whole bank and go to hell. You know, um, and and so you're right. You're right, and I appreciate you. And uh, don't fade, don't feel no way funny or tired about getting emotional because that's what we do here. You know, we have we have safe conversations. That's what we do here. So I appreciate you just keeping it real and you know taking my curveball and knocking it out the park, knocking it out the park. So. Miss Cookie, if someone wanted to reach out to you uh, to learn more about Charlie's Place or the historic uh, Myrtle Beach Color School or even Beachside Chats, how could they reach out to you? Please give us a call. We are um, we just get excited every time we step foot on either uh, uh, of those um, grounds. But you can give us a call eight four three nine one eight one zero six two. To get additional information, you can email me at um, mgoings at cityofmyrtlebeach.com at Neighborhood Services uh, on our Facebook pages, Neighborhood Services, um, Historic Myrtle Beach Color School Museum and Education Center has a page, Charlie's Place has a page, or on the City of Myrtle Beach's, um, their website uh, and Facebook page. We, we are there. We are everywhere. And we so love, I just love it, um, meeting um, new friends, um, even connected with family members that I'd never met before in two incidences, you know, just by them, you know, being in the area, you know, we are now connected as a, a, or or acknowledging and and being proud of who we are as a part of the Gullah Geechee uh, Corridor. So Mm -hmm. please just... uh, reach out to us through any of those means and, and we are willing and able to uh, accommodate you, answer your questions, and then um, invite you to to come in and visit us. And now people come, name some of the places that people come from. People come from all over the country to visit uh, these properties. Can you tell us, share with us some of the places they come from? Absolutely. So uh, we have several people um, during the year who come from uh, Canada uh, Maine. I mean, some of these places, of course, you hear the states, but when they, you know, relate their little towns to, I'm like, always like, okay, so Maine, Horry County, Myrtle Beach, how'd you get here? Um, Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, Virginia, New York, and I will say, I, I'm giving a shout out to uh, our family and friends from North Carolina because yeah. North Carolina shows up and they show out. Um, when they come uh, to the museum. And in particular, uh, several of them have come because they have purchased their old schools, whether they be colored schools or Rosenwald schools. And so mm-hmm. they come to get ideas and suggestions on how do they convert their buildings into museum and, and, and places for residents and, and former students um, and new friends to, to come and gather. So it is. It has really been um, interesting. One of my uh, favorite groups. There, there are several, but we had a young, um, a group of young people, students, um, two summers ago from Ypsilanti, Michigan. Wow! And it was um, their course, and um, 
to the young women uh, or the students, the girls who were in that group, their grandmother told them that they, if they were ever in South Carolina, in Myrtle Beach, to look for this lady. And I said, what, what's, what's her name? They said, Miss Mary Canty. Mm. And as I, sh- I didn't share, but yeah, Mary Canty was my mother. Uh. And I was like, oh my goodness, who's your grandmother? And they called her name and last name was Miss um, Isom. And sure enough, long time ago, that family lived in, in Myrtle Beach. Wow. So it, it's about, I, I could say, connecting and reconnecting. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's just really, really been amazing. That's and powerful. Amazing journey. That's powerful. And I will say this. Do not sleep on Charlie's Place. Uh, I know that there's an annual jazz festival on that property every year. I attended last year, and the place is magical. It is magical. And uh, and I can also say visiting the historic Myrtle Beach Color School, I remember the first time I was in there, you gave me a tour. And it was, it, to me, it was unbelievable. I, I mean, I just, I felt choked up. And I remember reading a letter that was on a desk that one of the students wrote years later. And, and it was just amazing. You know, talking about uh, the struggles and it was just it was incredible. So if you are in the area, you need to check it out. If you're not in the area, you need to make a special trip. Come to Myrtle Beach. Check out Charlie's Place and the historic Myrtle Beach Color School. If they want to tune in to Beachside Chats, you don't do it virtually. Everything's in person now, right? Yes, sir. Everything is in person. However, we we record and then they are available on the Neighborhood Services um, page. Awesome. Well, Ms. Cookie, I thank you for coming on again. It's Black History Month, and this has been a, wow, a lot of Black history that you've highlighted and talked about tonight. So thank you so much for that. Would you come back and visit? I would definitely come back and visit. And one thing, um, Kevin, that I want to share is that we're, we're highlighting Black history in February. Mm-hmm. This is this is something new that's come to me. We highlight Black History in February, but here in Myrtle Beach, you'll get to celebrate with us all year, every day, times a week. So that's awesome. Come. We want you to. That's come. awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here again, and you've listened to a, uh, a new episode of Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits, where we sit around and we unpack our bag. We talk about our differences. We talk about uh, our skin color, our gender, sexual identity, everything that makes us different with the hope that we can find a way to somehow build a bridge of trust and move forward together. So until next time, peace. The Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast is hosted and produced by Kevin Waits. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcasts. 
Find Kevin Waits on Facebook at Kevin Waits and join the Safe Conversations group. Follow the Mino Line Media Podcast Network on IG at Mino Line Media. Get the Mino Line Media app in the App Store or Google Play. The Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast is a Mean Old Line Media production.